millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, it's degrading towards manual laborers. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 297 of the 20 Minute Tim's Flagship Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie. You're by Stephen. What's happening? And Martin Melly. Hello. And we've navigated it. We have navigated a cup tie. I was like, hey, manipulated. We man- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, let me correct. Celtic have manipulated their way into the Scottish Cup fin- semi final. Look, that is the most remarkable piece of commentary I think I've ever heard. And it went under the radar because no one sort of corrected them on it. But it was remarkable. Was it Stephen Craig and Stephen yes. Craig? Is an underrated weirdo isn't he, when it comes <laughs> really to commentary? Weird. Very, very strange man. He is. Um, he was mildly obsessed with Starfelt as well. Like no matter what Starfelt did during the whole match, Craig had something to say negative about him. Like, is, is something going on between you two? Did you like? Has he not replied to one of your DMs on Insta? Did you ask him for a signed shirt and he's not giving you? It was strange. Wasn't it? Just. A- he must have used the wrong the word by accident or he meant to say something else because mm. you can't manipulate your way into a semi-final winning 3-0 and not letting a team have a shot in target I think his reference there was because we'd got a deflection and a uh. couple of uh, uh, sort of uncoordinated goals or something but the bottom line is Stephen we absolutely murdered Dundee United. Yes, yeah, 3-0. I think, I think we might be giving Stephen Craig too much credit, though. What mm. I think he probably meant to say was manoeuvred into the next round rather <laughs> than manipulated. So? Well, it's the only thing that makes any grammatical sense. <laughs> I don't, like, manipulated their way into the next round is absolutely nonsensical. That sounds like you're calling Stephen Craig in the idiot's idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And the, the thinking man's idiot, yeah. Michael Stewart, <laughs> before the game, I believe said something about... I, I, I didn't catch the, the start of this coverage because we were doing our big match build-up mm, on Patreon. Mm-hmm. We were live on Patreon to our patrons and I, I didn't catch it, but I heard via a neutral, uh, someone who supports Patrick Thistle, that Michael Stewart was once again on his horse about how Cameron Carter-Vickers would be a, a, an inferior signing to John Souter for, for Celtic. Now, he's Who's done this before. Currently injured. Yeah. yeah. So he's done this before and apparently was back on it before. The, again, can't verify it. I didn't see it, but just yet more tiring over analysis of our central half centre half pairing. Two things. I bet Michael Short does own a horse. <laughs> he <laughs> yeah, looks yeah. he looks horsey. <laughs> and uh, the second thing is this is the second week in a row we've had to go at uh, uh, opposition commentary teams. Ooh. Not not the competition, but the opposition. It's the right. second week in a row. But I have to say, I remember a couple of weeks ago Anne said you're all obsessed with decisions here. Hmm. Um after the game, I think it was the BBC, they were interviewing Tam Courts and uh, they said to him about the Hatate tackle. But it was so leading. The the, com- the, the interview went, what about that Hatate tackle there? <sighs> must be. Must be <laughs> furious. You must be raging. You must be raging. But I know oh, the ref only... you're going to take that? Uh, basically, <laughs> it was that. He goes, I know the ref only gave a yellow, but <sighs> you must be fuming. And to be fair to him, Tam, look, I was angry at the time, but I've not had a, mm. a chance to see the replay. I don't really think the commentators can be too disappointed, though, because I don't really know what more you expect from Celtic. And... As you say, Melly, Dundee United never really had a shot on goal. No, they didn't. It was controlled again from Celtic. You're a wee bit, went into the game a wee bit worried. Obviously, it's a cup game. You're, the, the last tie to be played, that oh, never had Celtic Rangers, Hearts and Hibs been in the semi-final together in the Scottish Cup. And it's Dundee United away. They've posed us problems this season already. We've failed to beat them once. So you're like, oh, maybe one of those games, Jota and Abad have been out. But once Celtic got into their sort of rhythm in the first half and got that early goal, you never really felt uh, worried about Dundee United because they weren't creating any chances. No, no. I can't remember anything. The only wee, wee slight 
concerns was Joe Hart's passing out from the back that was putting Starfelt on the back foot a couple of times. But apart from that, nothing. They're, they're very blunt up front. Dundee United, they, they've been the sort of draw kings this season. They'll mm. draw, they'll really struggle to score goals, but they don't concede too many either. And look, Celtic got what they deserved. They were clear winners in that game. Yeah, I wasn't really sure how he'd take this game, the preparation for it, because of what felt like an unprecedented six months between games <laughs> yeah, for Celtic. So it's, it's one of those... I can't really gauge it. Where does the slider go in the rust to good preparation go? Because we we often play against teams that are in like pre-season, like the European games, the Scandinavian teams against mm. and stuff like that, where we think, well, they've not played for ages, so they'll be rusty. But then the, there's also the, oh, but they'll be fresh. So where does the slider go when you've had eight games or eight well, days off rather? So I, I was wondering, like, oh, you'd think a few extra days training will be good, but... Will, will we have lost the rhythm going into no, this? No, I, I think it did is quite good. I yeah, think the extra time off, it seemed obviously seemed it. And I think it was, I think the reason we we struggled in that game probably wasn't so much that team, but the pitch was awful. Yeah. yeah and yeah, Ange yeah. commented on after the game, in fact, got to see this one of the, one of the old Celtic clickbait sites. They got me a belter today. They, <laughs> it was the one thing Ange was disappointed in following Dundee United. And I was like, I wonder what he's, and what, what tactical insight am I going to get here? And then I just, I, I clicked the article. You got me. I, 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 I clicked it and I only enjoyed it. Um, and it was like, it was just the comments lifted from the BBC article where he went, ah, the pitch wasn't great. I was like, fucking <laughs> furious, man. But he was right. You contributed to I know, that. I'm furious. The, the pitch was an absolute shanner. Ange listed's biggest disappointment, Alton Towers. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, the, the pitch was a. It's nothing new, isn't it? It's like, I feel like we're playing a lot of these absolutely terrible pitches. It's, it's a. It's a pretty common occurrence. But, it's, but it, I thought it, it Dundee United were meant to be like the football inside. I thought this was Tam Courtsy's thing, and he wanted his team to play. But I mean, they played some decent stuff at Celtic Park. So what am I alluding to, Stephen? Do you think it was maybe deliberate? Do you think it says, "Look, let that cut up a wee bit. We've got Celtic come to town in a few weeks." <laughs> I don't know if we can necessarily talk though, because Celtic Park isn't looking the greatest recently. That's looking diseased again from our uh, Brendan uh, Rodgers. Six million that. pound Brendan Rodgers. <laughs> Super galaxy brain pitch. Like a new signing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Multi-million pound That's pitch. a quote, isn't it? Oh, I'm pretty good sure well someone said that. <laughs> yeah, it was diseased then and it seems to be, it seems to, it went into remission for a while but now it's come roaring back. Re-diseased. Yeah. It's another variant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it wasn't ideal for, for football but I think it made for quite a good game. I think that as much as the United didn't really threaten much, didn't really create an awful lot, there was a period in the game, certainly in the first half, where it was it was kind of back to front, or, mm. or so it seemed, in that Dundee United kept breaking away, and it was like it, it made the game feel quite intense, even though they weren't really creating any chances or anything like that. It seemed like it was a kind of back and forth encounter, but no, it, it was a quite enjoyable game, and Celtic thoroughly deserved a win. To be honest, there, there can be no complaints about that. There were a few contentious decisions, mainly against <laughs> Celtic, as we said, and we're going to have the. Now, token referee chat probably oh, yeah. during this. But yeah, overall, very, very happy with the performance and progression. Yeah, just before we get into the referee chat, I think a lot of it was to do with the pitch because the three subs that came on done it, the every player going forward done it. It was just decision makings in the final mm -hmm. third was terrible. That final ball, that final ball, that final pass across from Celtic was just was just missing sometimes and look, maybe it is down to the pitch because every single player was guilty of it. There was James Forrest where it was stuck under his feet when he could get a shot away. Maeda put a cross over three players that were coming in. Every single player up front and it like Jackie Marcus got two goals but some of the times he got the ball at his feet and was hey. falling over it and all that. You're like, what is going on here? So we'll put it down to the pitch uh, last night but some of it, just that decision making, Celtic could have been out of sight probably in the first half because they got themselves into good positions they just didn't follow through with it do you know what he called Jackie Marcus before he switched his cameras on <laughs> the best big totty we've had in a long time <laughs> the coup the coup <laughs> uh, he's, that was look, Stephen you were yeah, pointing yeah. at me there oh right was it yeah he, he seems to he's getting an, I mean I like him I like his oh, work rate but you said in the post-match yesterday's techniques not the best mm. he, he's He's, he's just scoring lots of goals for us though. Anytime two, he plays, he scores. Two Carlton Cole-esque goals they oh, got yeah, against yeah. the United. Zone. In fact, you know uh, what? Magic of the Cup in it. Yeah. That was Carlton's <laughs> It's um, Strenal, wasn't it? Or was it? Did he score a header against Strenal? I can't remember. One of mm. the many, many goals Carlton Cole scored. It's, <laughs> it's difficult. To, yeah, it's very difficult to call individual performances from Carlton Cole. There were so many good ones. But the, I'm, having seen it back and via a discussion on our Discord group, a 
I'm not even convinced they touched the second one. No. I've watched every angle of it, and it's it's pretty inconclusive as to whether he got a touch. But he's going to claim it after that wee that toty wee guy. Anyway, yeah. get it, get it up, you Karamoko. I'm claiming it, but <laughs> as any good striker would do. But I he's he gets goals. I can't complain about Jackie Marcus at all. I'm a, I'm a big fan of what he he offers to Celtic because no one else does that. No one else does. Uh, I don't I don't say that to try and be patronising. Like when you compare him to Kyogo, he's not as he's not got the finesse, obviously, mm. of that. But Kyogo can't offer what Giacomakis no, does either, no. like and vice versa. So probably he's, he's, on. Yeah, he's definitely a different option, and the work rate is is fantastic from him, which you would expect of anyone in a not only a Celtic team but an Ange Postecoglou yeah. team. In I particular. think we're getting used to that, aren't we? Like yeah, it's pretty right. clear that's the one the, the thread that goes through every yeah. player in Ange's team. Like you need to work your ass off. I, I feel like watching that game as well. I feel like everyone's getting a little bit kind of. Hardier, if if that makes sense. Even got like Greg Taylor, Matt O'Reilly, guys you wouldn't necessarily associate with being like battle hardened or anything. Mm. Like They're all getting right stuck in and getting right in about the the physical battle of the game, which is which is important in Scotland. As much as we don't probably like to acknowledge it, it is a big deal here. Yeah. You can play all the great football you want and all that, but if you don't have the the guts for a fight, then There's you'll a, not get very far. There are a lot of teams and a lot of players within teams like Butcher and Dundee United, for example, <laughs> that just exist. Just yeah. to take bits and leave bits on players, <laughs> don't they? Yeah, and maybe Hitati's our one after his mm. flying challenge. It's just one of those ones that don't do it, don't do it, don't. Do it. Oh, he's done it, he's done it. <laughs> you can see it coming a mile off. Yeah. He's trying to press two players, and he's just annoyed at himself for losing the ball earlier on, and he's just flying and like pull out, pull out, and kind of did pull out at the end. But you're like, doesn't they need to make that challenge right on the <laughs> right on the touchline? But I think that, that sort of done the game for him because it wasn't great, but it wasn't bad that you'd think get him off at half time. But just with that yellow card and John beating the ref, you'll maybe like, nah, maybe best to take him off. It actually doesn't matter. I'm not going to make the joke, Stephen. Uh, James Forrest, there was a lot of talk before the game about his contribution of late, came back into the side. Were you were you pleased with what James brought to the sale? Uh, I think. Yeah, it was all right. Um, I don't think it was quite as impressive as <laughs> shrug. Yeah, partridge shrug. Pretty much. I think it was. I think it was okay. What I did notice, and Melly's already mentioned, Jota and Abada missing mm -hmm. for this game, so that narrows the attacking threat and options significantly. Those are Kyogo aside, but Kyogo has been injured for a long time now. That Jota and Abada are. I think pretty much undoubtedly Celtic's two most productive attacking players outside of Kyogo but as I say yeah. he's, he's been missing for ages has he been injured now for longer than he was in the side <sighs> it feels like it, it honestly feels like last season the last time yeah. Kyogo played it's, it feels like ages but well, that, that was last night we had our four top goal scorers out is that right yeah. oh, I, I wasn't sure Kyogo and Tumble Bad and Jota I'm sure oh, well then you still get the job done there yeah. you go uh, what were you worried about but the, what I noticed about Forrest is he still got a, he got a much better touch than Abada. Yeah. Now, the contribution between the two players is night and day. Abada oh. has has produced an awful lot more than Forrest, and I know he's been injured. I still feel like Forrest is the he's still the better footballer. If mm. if you know what I mean, like we we had the kind of jokey debate over what's the difference between a more effective footballer and just a better player. I think that's the that's the biggest contrast. That's the biggest example where I think it's it's quite confusing because Abada has scored whatever it is, fourteen goals or something this season. Forrest has only got. Two. Two, 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 he scored home and away against Yablonets as well yeah, but they were, they, that, again that feels like years ago mm. but Forrest like some of his his wee quick passes inside he's got a really lovely cushioned first time pass that opens up space that I really quite enjoy from Forrest he's not there was one time I can't remember who it was was it Sporrell that came on Spor I can't, I'm not sure how you pronounce that mm. Sporrell or something like that in the United came on and really like outpaced Forrest and I thought oh, that's that's something you don't necessarily see from Forrest very often so he's, that's maybe dwindled a little bit and in fairness to him he had kind of pulled up he did look uncomfortable in terms of a maybe a slight niggling injury mm. he looked as if he was going to go off a hamstring but his touch is still very very good Forrest and I think it's something that's maybe a little bit undervalued from him it's it's one of these ones where they're, they're both completely different types of player, aren't yeah, they? And yeah. they, they, they add different things yeah. to the team. If you're looking for somebody to eliminate fullbacks and get the ball in and get a, a decent cross in or get the ball into the box, it's probably Forrest. But if you need someone to crop up at the back post with a goal, then it's, there's going to be a bad on the amount yeah. of times that a bad has got us out of a pickle or really contributed in a game. We said it a couple of weeks ago that you just can't deny no. a badder's contribution to this side anymore. But I think there's a lot of goodwill for James Forrest, isn't there? People want him to do well. And I know in this podcast, I kind of said I'm, I'm done with him and I'm finished with him but you know I, I, I'm fronting a wee bit there Melly there's part of me that just still wants a guy to come back and do well for us Can I just shock you I like James Forrest despite <laughs> what I said earlier I, don't, I mean I don't like him but what I mean is I just there's part of me that just 
I don't want him to be finished. In my heart of hearts, I don't want James Forrest to be finished. In these last couple of games, I thought, well, do you know what? Maybe he's still got something to offer. I don't think MD's wanting him finished, but it's just what you're watching. And it's not as if we're going off this one or two games. It was a long time before he contributing like regularly for Celtic. Mm. And even then, he'd he done fine last night. It wasn't brilliant, wasn't terrible. The front three were all pretty much the same. Giacomacus and Maeda should have had a goal, but... With Forrest, you're just like, done well against Livingston, you got that goal, let's have another good performance. Wasn't great, but it wasn't bad, so that's it's another one he's got in the locker. Like, he's got minutes in the legs, and if a badder's going to be out for a... I, I think he'll be all right, won't yeah. he? But mm. By the way, Andrew's talking, but at least with James Forrest, it's not when you're looking at that front three going, oh no, it's really weakened with Forrest in there. You don't quite get that because his last two games, so we need as many players fit and firing as yeah. possible. I mean, it's serious as we're business. going into the, the it's, business end. It, it is serious business. I thought Carl McGregor was really good last night. Took his goal from the set piece. We're oh, becoming oh. set piece kings now. Yeah, set piece specialist, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was well worked for Celtic. We, we've bemoaned how much we don't score headers from corners, mm. and like, most teams are bigger and more physical than us. But if we're going to do that, then at least this shows we're working on it because you always hear our Celtic even working on corners that's twice in the last couple of games we've got a goal from a short corner and it's worked out well and good to see that back from Cal McGregor because he is playing deep he's not getting as many goals anymore but that stepped up last night and just watching him first half he sort of he tailed off a wee uh, second half sorry tailed off a wee bit but sometimes when that ball's fired into him from the defenders into midfield the way he can manipulate the space and turn players to set Celtic mm. off is it's absolutely brilliant. I just love watching him play the way he just can manoeuvre his body and turn into the space and just get the ball away quickly. It's great to watch. And a, another captain's performance from him now because look, you're looking at Celtic in a Scottish Cup semi. We're already the League Cup holders mm. and we're top of the league. Imagine Cal McGregor in his, in his first season. <laughs> he's already won a trophy. He's going to be hungry to prove that he can be a really good captain and he is the he is the driving force of that team. Uh, at the beginning of the season, everyone was talking about trouble. Now you're talking about trebles. That's what Anne, <laughs> yeah. that's what Anne said. Uh, yeah. That's what Anne said after that's, the game. That's unlike him to say something like that, isn't it? I think it was a dig. I oh, think it was it? a dig at the press eye because he was people were asking about the treble and he's like, "No, nah, I'm like, I'm not getting drawn into this." Use what not so long ago you were all saying that I was out of a job soon. And now remember, remember people wrote off the title race after about twelve games or something yeah, less yeah. than that. I think it was because I remember. Well, Anne saying, that far behind. No, I remember Anne saying, "Oh, you call it early in this country." It's October, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think it, I think it was October they wrote the title race off. Um, Okay, we're going to talk about a disallowed goal. Um, mm. Contrary to the rules of the game, the, the goal was chopped off. The rule is if there's an accidental handball and the lead up to a goal and it's not the person who accidentally handles it that scores it, then the goal must count. So I would love to know what the referee was thinking there. It's just, there was a thing on Sports Sound a couple of weeks ago. We spoke about it in the podcast. It was like a couple of months ago when everyone was jumping up and down about referees and they have been jumping up and down about referees all season about how bad these guys are. And Tom English or the BBC were just like, look, I am not having it. I'm not having these referees called incompetent. That's incompetent. Not knowing the rules, not knowing how you do your job, Stephen, is just, it's, that's the only word for it. It's incompetence. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure on this rule. I, I remember I watched it and I thought that I had some vague notion that they'd changed the handball thing, right? And you've, you've just explained it there. But it was, it, it was so blatant here that I thought, well, maybe he's spotted offside. Maybe mm. Jack and Marcus is, Mard's only ahead of the ball when that's played in and it's been called off for that reason because he's obviously interfering with play. That's what I thought. But, but when it actually... I think you told me actually that the referee had signalled for handball. Yeah. I thought, that, that's not how that works though. Well, this is it. And I said this on the, the post-match with Melly. I was like, see if you want to bring up a point about referees. This is the one to do it on. After you've won the game, after you've progressed in the competition, yeah. and it's not a judgment call. The referee's no like, oh, did he see it? Didn't he see it? Or is that a yellow red that's bothering? The referee distinctly said, oh, I saw him handball it, so I chopped the goal off that this other player scored. Well, that's not the rule. And then, that, for me, that's the whole thing with VAR. See, we're playing referee in a game and John Beaton's a video assistant referee. The guy doesn't even know the rules. <laughs> so even if he's watching it on telly, he's still not going to get the decision right. So could it be interpreted that he has, if I'm given vast benefit of the doubt here, Mm. It could be interpreted that he has seen that as a deliberate handball. No, because he should have booked. He should have booked the player, presumably. <sighs> or if he thought it was a deliberate handball, I mean, it's it was a crazy, it's a crazy call. Right. And then there was an offside as well. That wasn't the offside. They just guessed. So, however that, we slice this, basically, it just doesn't work on any level. It does. No. There's no room for manoeuvring here. Well, Nothing. he might have been doing it 
the spirit of the game, like Michael Stewart suggested at halftime. Uh, what was that? What was that relationship? <laughs> he said, well, it should, should be a goal, but within the spirit of the game. Oh, it that's shouldn't. right. I, Michael Stewart, Michael Stewart Are said... Are the rules not... Yeah, because his point was that you know it might be with it might be within the rules, but it's not within the spirit. And John Beaton, what he does is referee games by the spirit of them and not the rules. He, he, he did well to spot it, but because as soon as it was, oh, it's been disallowed. <laughs> you instantly thought oh, it must be offside, but the linesman didn't flag for anything. No. John Beaton's behind that and managed to see the handball. Some eye for that for a guy that misses all sorts all the <laughs> no, he's, time, he's and then they get the rules wrong. As Definitely well. one of the worst in the league. And look, see when they're pulling decisions like that, Stephen, they can't complain when people have a goal. There is no mystery; it's no made up that people complain about referees in this country. It'll be forgotten because we've won and progressed, won't it? But yeah, that's it. Um, Yakimakis did get on the score sheet twice, though. Yeah, as I say, Carlton Cole-esque performance <laughs> from him to to fine finishes. Just in fairness, like I, there was a goal that Celtic scored recently. I think it was Jota at the back post. I can't who who that was against. I can't remember. I've all kind of blurred that he won the games recently. But that what I said about Jota, it was the def- defender's presence that uh, made the Aberdeen the, game. Yeah, in right? fact, that was it. Yeah, it was the defender's presence that put the keeper off, allowing Jota to sneak in. So, I, like, let's know. We can't really underestimate or understate the the value of Jackie Marcus just making himself a nuisance. Now, Segrist is normally pretty... He's, not, fact, he's brilliant against us, excellent. Usually. I was going to say reliable, but mm. it goes well beyond that. Against Celtic, he's usually absolutely outstanding. So it was a surprise to see him drop such a clangor like that. But maybe it is just the, the big man, the, the coup, in there making a nuisance of himself. I mean, we were due one for Segrist, weren't we? Because he's been brilliant oh, against us many a time. Uh, he's a good keeper, really good shot stopper. And I think we've even spoke about maybe signing him as a, mm. a backup keeper because he had a contract in the summer but with Jackie Marcus as I think it was last week I spoke about Maeda he gets himself into really dangerous positions mm. and what is that eight goals now he's got maybe yeah I mean so, he followed that ball in anticipating Segrist to drop it, it yeah. yeah and I think out of his eight goals maybe six or seven possibly are front post finishes mm. or one touch finishes so when he gets in there he's that's the problem when he has to take two or three touches it's on oh, no mate but <laughs> uh, with those one touch finishes but the thing I love about him is like the work rate is unbelievable. Yeah. The amount of times he was in midfield recovering yeah. that ball for yeah. us. The pressing's brilliant. He puts his body about. He holds the ball up. Goes down very easily and wins those free kicks Good. that we always give away mm-hmm. like that. And he gets in goal scoring positions. I can live with the technique being poor sometimes if you're doing everything else right because we've seen so many strikers over the years at Celtic that are terrible at everything and they never look like scoring, but with him, Maeda, they get into dangerous positions, and if you keep doing that, Celtic will create chances, and you'll get them, and look, you maybe say some of the finishes are lucky, but to be lucky, you need to be in those positions, mm. and he keeps being in those positions, so if if Celtic continue to play the way they're playing, under Ange, Maeda and Jack Amakis, even if they're not having great games, they'll score goals. Yeah. And the early of it is, Ange obviously sees him as third choice striker, behind Kuyogo and Maeda, probably. Oh, I don't know about third choice, Possibly, I think if everyone was fit, it's probably my either starts against Yakimakis. Aye, mm. possibly. Um, I hadn't really, hadn't really occurred to me, but I might have probably considered himself or has the an right embarrassment to of riches. Some yes. might say yes. <laughs> an embarrassment of riches, and with a yeti coming back to full oh, fitness on the bench, yes. <laughs> <laughs> tips over the scale. Yeah, just options, so many options that aren't a yeti up there. But okay, Maeda and Yakimakis, they're they're quite odd players. They're quite yeah. unusual mm. players. Yakimakis. Everything we describe about him, it makes him sound like he's this sort of 90s centre forward, like a big kind of traditional British number nine. He's a big guy, he gets, mm. in, he gets stuck in about it, he, get, he makes himself a nuisance in the box. But that's not what he is. No. He's not one of these guys. He's not like John no. Hartson or something like that, who's just, just lives in the box and makes himself a physical presence and all that. He's so much more than that. In some aspects, a lot less than that <laughs> as well. But, yeah, yeah. but he's, he's a very useful player. Maeda is similar in that sometimes things just don't click for him mm. but he works so so hard that yeah. he almost makes his own luck as yeah. well and he's, he's picking up these these opportunities that he has created for himself just by picking up space like his, his goal his last goal that he scored was off a, a Starfelt header that he just picked up a position at the back post and just just walked it in at the at that opportunity so yeah these guys are working so hard that it is benefiting Celtic at the moment they might not come across like the, the again that Kyogo's a it's an unfair comparison because he's See, a, that, that, Sorry, that's what I was going to say. Is it because of Kyogo? Well, yeah. looking at these guys going, if it had been the other way about and Maeda and Giacomacus had been there at the start of the mm. season, then Kyogo comes in. Do we think these are good players? And then Kyogo, oh, he's a brilliant player because yeah. we've been 
So as an embarrassment of riches with Kyogo, he is absolutely brilliant. And then these guys are coming in, they're not as good. That's not their fault. No, it's no. not a slight on them, but you're just looking at Kyogo going, you are brilliant. And then these guys come in, they're not quite as polished as Kyogo. Yeah. We're maybe comparing them, which is unfair on them. I, I, no, I do think if Kyogo wasn't here, we'd still look at these two and go, they're good, they're contributing to goals, but can we maybe find someone better? Mm, yeah, I, I think possibly. we, I think that would probably would be our view of it. Um, we're speaking of options. Julian's made a return, a couple of returns to the bench, but no sign of first team football for him. Do you think Ange doesn't rate him? Do you think he's unfit? Do you think he's got maybe a future at the club? Stephen is getting on a bit. Uh, we'll be twenty nine, maybe soon. Mm. Twenty eight, twenty nine. I'm not. I'm not sure. Oh, I think he might be thirty soon. Is that right or right? Well, because we signed him at about twenty six, twenty seven. Yeah. He's uh, been here quite a while now. Did Julian? It's a. Uh, it's quite an odd situation because I think everyone was desperate to see him back in the team. It, it, his long road from injury you know, was so lengthy that we were desperate to see him back and it was such a relief to see him take to the field. But that's all kind of died down now because we've not got any room for this kind of level no. of sentiment or anything like that. We have to mm. pick the best team, the most effective team to get the job done. And Julian has been uh, a kind of victim of the form of our two centre-halves, despite what the media or the <laughs> commentary team seem to be saying about our centre-halves. A clean sheet. Uh, it's another clean sheet, another two good performances. I can't be bothered doing the let's defend yeah, Starfield thing. It's Take they're, it as red. They're good players. Uh, yes, right. okay. take it as red. They are, they're both performing extremely well and you know, under huge pressure, they are mm. performing well. One thing though, as I said, we weren't going to talk about this, but if the mm. if I had one choice, could we stop that pass from Joe Hart back to the corner flag? I mean, definitely stop <laughs> playing the ball behind him. Yes. Joe. Yeah, definitely stop that. But just on to Julian, do you think he's maybe? Do you think he's he's on borrowed time at Celtic? I think that we might be in the gradual procession towards him leaving the club. Mm. Uh, I don't know how he gets back into the team from here because you can't break up that partnership. Now, if you're going to, if you're going to rest one of them. Welsh comes in. I think yeah, Welsh it, comes in. It? Welsh has has played games recently where Julian has been available for. So either he's not quite ready in terms of fitness, but if he wasn't, I don't think he would be on the bench. I don't really see that. I don't know how you break up this partnership with so many crucial games still to go. At the end of the season, Carter Vickers will have a possibly a decision to make. Celtic have got a decision to make on it, whether they go for him permanently or whether they just let him go. But does don't really do they? Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> does Julian replace him? I don't know. I mean, and the it, rumours are that Angela doesn't really rate Julian, or I just think, as you said, Julian's got a lot wrong load, a long road back. Because if you think of it, he's got to get himself fit, mm. right? But not just fit to play football. He's not been able to train. He's yeah. not been. He's not had minutes on the training field to get this Ange Postecoglou. I'm not saying the word, but you know, Ange Postecoglou's way of playing football yeah. into him, and he. I just think it would be. It'd be too much a risk. I think he's probably last resort in there because Welsh knows how the manager likes to play. He's had minutes. He's fit. I just think it's a, a long road back. Well, I speculated at the time, I think it was before he even came back into the squad, that, that we're we're building this up a lot as fans because Julian's a, a popular guy. Yeah. He's a big character and mm-hmm. he's scored big goals for Celtic and had big performances. But I said that at the time that Ange just might not be that bothered about it. Like, yeah. like, he's not in the same position as us. Where we're, we've been on the journey with this guy and we've seen his injury and we've felt bad for him. Ange is there to just win football games and it's not really his concern to, to sort of satisfy the the sentimentality of mm. the fans. Julian, I'm sure that Ange rates him as a player because he's a good footballer, but a guy at his age and not playing football at all, is he going to want to stay? Like, if we can talk about how yeah, it'll be good, this, good next season, he mm. might be a key player, but does he want to hang about for another season here when he could probably go back to France, get a decent... I don't know. I could only speculate there, but I feel like there's a few players in the team in the squad now where we are just sort of getting towards the end of their time and he's probably another one it's his birthday next week happy birthday oh. uh, tw- 29 next week I just, right. uh, I just checked um, that, Stephen's mentioned that central defensive partnership is going to be very difficult to break up but I think this this pass this pass that Joe Hart <laughs> loves to play behind Carroll Starfelt you can see this has given Starfelt a bad name because you yeah. can see him physically flat but like trying to position his body and get his body in the right position to receive the ball because it's not a good pass and and by that time, the players closed them down and he just wants shot at it. Luckily, though, on a number of occasions yesterday, Greg Taylor was there, who is becoming the, the pinnacle of composure at that left-back position to help out his teammate. Yeah, stuff out. Look, come on, Joe, give him, give him a chance. Yeah. He's a right-footed centre-half playing on the left and you're playing it behind him into a corner where he's really got nowhere to go apart from back to you and then find the space. But Greg Taylor last night, brilliant. The two full-backs I thought were brilliant. Yeah. The, the energy and drive they showed to get up and down, their 
passing and when they moved into the centre midfield. Brilliant, I thought, Greg Taylor. And I think Anthony Ralston can feel hard done by after a good performance against Livingston. Juranovic comes in, so it's good that we've got got options there and guys mm. keeping each other on their toes because like, Greg Taylor's probably the, the one guy when you look at the Celtic 11 and go, hmm, next season probably the guy that we all want to see upgraded, but when he's putting in performances like this, he's like, no, not really put a foot wrong apart from the two European games this year, mm. so he's doing really well, he's cementing his place as that left back just now, he just needs to do, keep this consistency because if he keeps this up, he'll possibly tr- change a lot of people's minds because he is, he is one of those guys where Despite his size and his physicality, he's one of the ones that gets stuck in, isn't yeah, he? He's yeah, not scared like, oh, to definitely. put it about. And he's good on the ball. This inverted fullback suits him much better than that sort of Kieran Tierney style fullback that goes mm. on the outside and whips in crosses. So it suits his game. And if he's doing everything Ange asked him to, probably a wee bit more right now, then he's dead up for playing. And like, this this back line, whether you put in Ralston or you put in Juranovic, they're keeping clean sheets right now. Mm. So it's one switch in and out. But as Stephen said, like eight, eight days between this game, we've got, what, five till the next one and then we've got an international break. It's not as if we need to chop and change for the sake of it. After that Livingston game, you'd have maybe thought, Andrew will just play the same team again because it worked well, but he obviously played that team to play the conditions yeah. on that pitch and then you come into this game where Dundee United are a bit more physical and energetic in midfield, so he changes it up and brings in Hitati and O'Reilly and He's, he's getting it right we're getting the mm. victories in these games now so no no complaints from this bear <laughs> patreon.com <laughs> um, slash 20 minute tims patreon.com slash 20 minute tims there'll be a wee link in the description whether you're listening to podcast or whether you're listening or watching on YouTube there will be a link there you can support us and get extra content podcast videos writing uh, we talk about that every week so not going to give you the long boring pitch just check it out if you enjoy what we do here you can support us from like 2.58 a month thank you to everyone who does 
we got through the tie. Yeah. The the draw was immediately after the game, and you just knew, didn't you? You yeah. just knew we were yeah. going to get Rangers. It is Rangers in the semi final at Hamden. It's going to be a massive four weeks for us. The whole season is basically going to culminate in these four weeks. I would have now potentially play them three times in the space of a, a couple of weeks, weeks three or four weeks. Yeah, it's going to be a very intense period for mm. for Celtic. Uh, so, how much do you care about the Scottish Cup? Uh, no, once you get to the semi, it becomes mm. a, a huge thing on the horizon. I don't think there's any getting away from that. I think if we'd gone out in the, one of the earlier stages, I think we could all have justified it to ourselves by saying, you know, it's all about the league, all that stuff you comfort yourself with when you when you go out of competitions, mm -hmm. despite the fact I don't really believe that. But now I've got to the semi and it's against Rangers. All guns are blazing. Firing firing in all syllables. I think yeah, <laughs> I think um, it's going to be it's going to be a ferocious tie, isn't it? Because after the game, uh, the our esteemed colleague, our, our esteemed commentary team, rather, was saying, you know, Rangers have really bounced back since losing at the Glasgow Derby. I, I don't really think they have. <laughs> no. I don't really think they have. They've been doing okay in Europe, and yeah. as far as I'm concerned, the more the more games they have, the better um, in terms of helping us in the league, mainly. But how do you feel about them in the semi? Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a tough game. I think they've not been great in the league, but the European form. Like, I'd love to beat Dortmund, man. Why can't we do yeah, stuff like yeah, that? I know. So, and then they had another good result last week, but saying that man so it's going to be difficult they seem to be better against the better teams so we're obviously one of the best Easter Sunday man <laughs> come on you're playing them and then look the chance to go what have we got eight games in the league mm. and then potentially two in the cup ten games ten this games to flown win in, isn't it? it it's has. absolutely flown in and, and that's the thing isn't it you, you get to this end of the season where you're like Ah, missing having those two games mm. a week, but now that we can prepare for each game individually, and how crucial do you think that's going to be? The Rangers, the no, the, the space in between the games, the time on the training pitch, the 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 not having the the potential distraction of Europe. Yeah, well, hopefully it's good. It's one of those ones where it's good if you if you win the game, you go mm. yes, that's as we had that space in between. If Rangers are coming into the game off winning a European game, the momentum of that will be good for them, but. With Celtic, it's always been we need more time in the training pitch. We've got so many games, so many injuries. Now that we're getting players back, it could be Jota could be back at the weekend, Abada probably back. Turnbull's back training today, I think, uh, and said oh, last good. week yeah. they've been back training. There's rumours that Kyogo was training at, running at Lennox Town today. So if we can get after this international break and have Kyogo and Turnbull back for these games, it gives us options. And look, We've seen it so many games this season where we haven't had options off the bench. Well, Boris now an option, Turnbull, Kyogo, Abada, Jota, Karamoko Dembele came Ayeti. on and contributed. Mm. Ayeti. Stephen, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Stop trying to make Ayeti happen. <laughs> so if we're coming into these, these games with a full squad and a week to prepare, you're really looking at Celtic and don't have any excuses we had at mm. the start of the season so it's potential a potential to be an absolute cracking season we, we, it's going to be some good podcasts especially oh, on Patreon get your, <laughs> ass, get your ass over there um, I, I mean it's just I'm really looking forward to it but part of me is like I'm, all, I'm such a pessimist so sometimes Stephen I'm like right three games against Rangers we're, we're probably we can't win all three can we so if we're going to lose one I'd happily throw the Scottish Cup under the bus <laughs> Aye, I know that's yeah. not how it works. Uh, yeah, I know. Given the choice, if if you were to make a pact with the, with the devil or something like that, then yeah, that's the one you would throw. But uh, no, once you get to the semis, man, we need to go full throttle, full mm. full throttle here. We need to absolutely that, go for that's it. That's like my thinking as well. So, right, teams are quite tight. Right, lose one, we'll lose this cup semi. We'll draw Ibrox and we'll win yeah. one at Celtic Park. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because that nineties again. You're Aye. just programmed. But you're not going to beat them three times in a month. But this mentality, there's a man out there who does not have that mentality. Oh, right. His name's Scott Brown. Oh, he... yeah, I thought you were going to go Ange there. No, no, well, Ange as well. Well, maybe there's a good match because that's a conversation we're just about to have. Is Scott Brown left Aberdeen? I think um, Jim Goodwin's obviously said, "Look, no offense, thanks very much, but I don't really see mm. a future for you here." He's decided. He's not going to get the time on the coaching field either. Scott Brown said he went up to Aberdeen to play and coach and he was basically told he's not really going to get to coach and he's not really going to get to play. So he's retired, undoubtedly a Celtic legend. We don't need to have the big long chat, Stephen, because we had that when he left Celtic. Yes. But it's worth bringing up again, absolute Celtic legend. And I'm, I'm intrigued to see Scott Brown's next move because I think a lot of people suspect that Scott Brown hasn't got like a footballing brain and they don't really see him moving into management yeah. or coaching or whatever. They just think he's an, an on-field guy. So... 
I'm quite interested to see Scott Brown's next move because he was doing a lot with the youths when he was at Celtic. So he's obviously keen to pursue a coaching role. Yeah, uh, he'll definitely have options. There was a bit of chat that he'd been linked to with Leicester. Like mm. There was maybe Brendan Rodgers had sounded him out about going there. He's not help he can get. Pish for Brendan, yeah, usual. If that is possible, though, definitely go there. Definitely don't go to Cyprus. Uh, <laughs> But the chat about uh, potentially coming back to Celtic just now, I'm not particularly interested in that yet. I think I'd be open to it eventually. Too much I, of a distraction, isn't it? 100%, yeah. I, I could not be doing with the, every time Celtic have a mediocre or bad result, mm-hmm. oh, I'll get Bruni in the dugout, he knows what it takes, he, he's better than that Kennedy, that striking, I can't be bothered. It would be the opposite. Pitch. See if Celtic have a bad result, it would be, that's Scott Brown, he does, what does, what does Scott <laughs> Brown know about the and statistics? Yeah. He's, he's not an Ange pick, Ange would never, well, blah, blah, blah. Speaking of the other way around, imagine John Kennedy had just been effectively punted for Aberdeen with eight games to go in yeah. the season would you be like oh get him in he knows what it takes absolutely not no, I wouldn't be closing the door to Scott Brown I think he would probably be a great coach but at this point of the season you don't parachute a guy into the basically the dugout and, mm. and the thing about Scott Brown everybody says like we find a place for him under 18s or something like that he's, too, he's beyond that surely if he's any kind of decent I mean I know Sean Maloney had that and then went mm. on to much much bigger things at Belgium and now Hibs and all that but I don't know if he's going to be interested in something like that. After being basically, a, effectively, a, an assistant he's manager. He's better than that, is what you're saying, isn't he? Yeah. He's better than that. But absolutely not interested in it just now at all. We need to get this season out of the way. I think what is absolutely crucial, though, is if Scott Brown is to come back to Celtic in any capacity whatsoever, it's it's not through, oh, the fans, oh, just get him in, he knows what it takes. Mm. None of that pish. It's got to be Ange He's Ange has got to see some value to adding him to the coaches. It's staff. funny you mention that because I don't think it would ever be pressure for the fans that would get Scott Brown in. No. I think it would probably be more from inside the club. Yeah, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Oh, get Bruni back. We like him. He knows blah, blah, blah. Whereas, bottom line, if he comes back, it needs to be because Ange wants him here. Yeah, yeah, that's it. What do you make of Bruni's departure from Aberdeen? Yeah, I thought it was a bit strange, but with the managerial change and the fact that he's not going to get a coach, the fact that he's not going to get to do the coaching at first team level anymore, it kind of maybe rules out Celtic for the time being yeah. for me because he's not going to, he has done the under 18 thing before and then stopped doing that to concentrate back on his playing days again at Celtic so I just don't see him going from being disappointed he's get, not getting first team coaching to coming into Celtic because I don't see him parachuting into the first team it'd mm. probably be the, the B team or the under 19s or 18s or whatever so I just I don't think it's the right time to bring somebody in unless it's at that sort of lower level for Celtic and Scott Brown can take a bit of time to make a choice yeah. because at the end of the season there'll be hosts coming up so if he jumps back into Celtic he might rule himself out of a managerial job somewhere along the line because Scott Brown would be a coup for any sort of team mm. bringing him in like, you've seen Sean Maloney get a job you've seen guys given chances Sean Scott Brown sorry the experience that guy has in Scottish football is unparalleled by mm. to any other player that's probably retired in the last 10, 20 years. He's been there and done it all, so he's got a lot to call on. He's a popular guy, seems to be a very popular coach as well, so I think he might just take his time on this one and wait it out to the end of the season, see what his options are, because there should be some decent teams wanting them. Speaking of popular coaches, Celtic legends, and guys with a lot of gift to the game, Neil Lennon has got <laughs> a, a new job in Cyprus. And look, do you know what? I think enough time has passed that you can do what you like, right? But I'm not going to sit here and slag Neil Lennon. I think Neil Lennon, as the football manager, right, deserves a lot better than some backwater in Cyprus that he's got just now. I think he's got a lot to give to the game. Uh, one disastrous season at Celtic, but prior to that, two good seasons, one a treble, whatever way you want to slice it up. Obviously, we all know what happened to the 10 in a row season and the, the stress and implosion <laughs> that happened in front of the TV cameras with that and the turn against the fans and all that sort of stuff. But purely based on football management ability, I, I want to see Neil Lennon do well. I want to see him do well in Cyprus. I want to see him reinvent himself. I'd be very surprised. In many ways, I want to see him broaden his horizons, Stephen. I know you, none of you really are Neil Lennon fans as much as that, but yeah. I want to see him broaden Nobody his horizons is. because I, I don't think there's not really a path from back to Scottish football. There's too much baggage there. Yeah, so yeah. to do well abroad... Um, you know, become maybe a sort of latter-day Roy Hodgson, just go like Switzerland, Finland. Just <laughs> he can have a good management career, but there's also part of me that thinks this is maybe last chance alone for Neil Lennon, the manager. And if he if he doesn't go here, and and I wonder, is he picked wisely? You know, what well, I don't really know an awful lot about Ammonia, but if you go to Cyprus and fail, is that it? Kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I, it's not a it's not a traditionally successful route for mm. you know UK based managers to go to. I think Henning no. Berg was our last manager. Uh, was no, it? Was it? Uh, to, to go to these, you hear about some 
you know, British managers or like English managers who end up in Scandinavia or something like that and do a decent job. Was uh, Graham Potter was there for a bit and all yeah. that? Mm. <laughs> Did but after a year away, Neil Lennon ended up in Cyprus. Does it is it a good move? Is it literally all he had to get back into football? Probably. Mm. What I would say about his like his positive like, potential of getting back to something resembling top level football. What tends to happen is that clubs, when looking for a manager, will probably look beyond, is he a, quote, good manager, whatever that means in this day and age, and we'll look at a, a manager's reputation with the use of methods. Mm. And I think that's what holds Neil, holds Neil Lennon back. Now, again, I'm not going to go down the route of just like totally slating the guy. I'm not going to call him a dinosaur or anything like that, but there's an awful lot of smoke for there not to be fire when it comes to Neil Lennon's methods in modern-day football. Can he manage a club that isn't, the best in the country yeah, in any given country I don't know he's been in England he's been been at Hibs and even to, to this day there's still stories it was that David Wheater was on a popular podcast mm. recently and he was talking about how Neil Lennon the first thing he said about him was he loves a pint yeah and the, the, that follows Neil Lennon around that's not me, me being like unfair or anything like that. that's basically what follows him around there was chat about how you know the players would be dumb with training and he'd be turning up to the, the training ground at Bolton and all that so he needs to get rid of all that stuff and he needs to prove that he has a, it sounds, sounds pish, right, but a modern approach to football rather than just being the guy who G's everybody up and, and can carry on a winning formula to a point before yeah. it goes off a cliff because that's what he proved last season that he couldn't do. Mm. So, I ho- yeah, I hope he does well. I don't see it working for him in Cyprus because, again, t- just traditionally, just historically, it doesn't really tend to work when that happens. Uh, it, I can see him making a number of disastrous signings from Scotland because that's what, yeah. what Scottish-based managers tend to do. They just start signing Hibs I mean, players. I mean, to be fair to Neil Lennon, he was never shy of an obscure signing from some odd part of yeah, the world. Yeah, that's, that's you know right. what I mean? Even at Hibs, yeah, he yeah. had a few of those as well. But no, nah, I mean, good luck to him. I, I think they very nearly got a, a big win in his first game mm. in the dugout, but it was a 90-second minute equaliser to get a draw. So he has a 0% winning ratio <laughs> in, at the some, in summation, I think Neil Lennon, I think personally Neil Lennon's a, a better manager than people give him credit for. Yeah. I just wanted to prove that. That's basically what I want to see from Neil Lennon's next next chapter. Yeah. Be difficult out there, won't it? Because the strength Neil Lennon has. I thought you were going to say the sun. Because <laughs> oh, he, is well, a pale, yeah. he is a pale yeah. man. So I like can, 45 uh, degrees in the summer I or whatever. I can sympathise with him there. So <laughs> Neil Lennon's strengths are the motivation, the gene players up, and that might get lost in Cyprus with the mm. language barrier, the sort of lifestyle as well. It's, it's totally different. So Universal language of snarling. Oh, snarling Lenny. But <laughs> I hope he does well. I hope it works out for him because... He, he I just... mean, you can't assume he learned nothing from his time at Celtic oh, like no, last season. No. You can't assume that he looked at that and went, right, maybe I made mistakes here and there. And you know he wants to change his approach slightly. Yeah, but uh, we can change that approach. But that's... That's not the approach I'd be really wanting Neil Lennon to change it, be the tactical side of it mm. maybe, and I don't know how, how that will come across over there. I hope he does well, but just one of those ones, just, I don't really see it happening. He might get them through at the end of the season and do all right, but long term, I just I just don't see it happening for um, him there. Ben Doak. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it looks like he's on his way to Liverpool. I, you hate to see youth prospects leave the club, especially ones that have looked quite promising, um, but at the same time, it's, it's Liverpool. You know, if it, if he was leaving to go to a Fulham or or one of these sort of other, sort of even like a Leeds, a Wolves, one of these clubs, you'd be like, "What are you doing? Come on, weekend!" But uh, he's going to Liverpool now. Who knows if he'll ever play for Liverpool? He'll probably yeah. spend he's what he just a sixteen. He could spend the next five or six years on loan at various other clubs. Um, he's no doubt going to be a very very wealthy young man. His life will be taken care of with the signing of this contract and all that. But it just smarts a bit, doesn't it? Well, um, yeah. The, the the thing with these. It happens quite a lot now with Celtic. In the last couple of seasons, we've lost players to Bayern Munich, to Man City, and I think previously another one to Liverpool was that goalkeeper. I can't remember the name. Went to Hughes, Liverpool. Was it? Yeah, Hughes. went to Liverpool. And when it happens, there's a, a rush to apportion blame to yeah. it. Uh, what's gone wrong here? What's wrong with Celtic's youth setup? What's wrong with the advice he's getting? What's wrong with the agent? What's wrong with his ambitions? Sometimes I think there's very little anyone can do about a boy, I was going to say a, a guy, right? He's, he's a, a wee man. boy, right? Nothing anyone could do about a boy who... Can't even buy fags. <laughs> doesn't have a contract. He doesn't have a professional contract with Celtic wanting to go and sign for Liverpool. Now, people can say, I bet Celtic can offer them this, but I, I struggle to see what Celtic can possibly offer him that Liverpool can't do better. Now, this is, again, I'm not talking about 
big clubs and all that, whatever it, that, that even means in modern yeah. football, right? I'm talking about Liverpool, who are one of the three best teams in the world right now, <laughs> or one of the best teams in Europe, certainly. Uh, the, everything they have got is better than Celtic. Uh, and I say that as a, a Celtic fan, I, you know, it hurts to, to say things like that, but their facilities, their coaches and all that will all be better yeah. than, than what you can get at Celtic. Now, it could be argued that he might have a better pathway to first team action with Celtic. Mm. But I don't know about that. I don't mm. know if we've necessarily I think proven that. Uh, I think he's more likely to get first team football at Celtic purely on the basis that there won't be as many better players in his road. Yeah, you know, yeah, Celtic yeah, don't it. have the ability to go and spend 40 million quid on a player in the same <clears> position. <throat> we might have to look at bringing somebody through, but it's but these are small. That's a very, very small margin. You yeah. can't say to the guy, look, picture yourself in five years. For us, you could be coming. You could be playing for Celtic in five years. Liverpool, you might not be making first team appearances because he's going to back himself, isn't he? Oh, definitely. And if he's backing himself, fair play to the guy. And look, really, I think the only thing Celtic can offer these guys is you're a Celtic fan. Why you can play for the club? Mm. Because if I'm looking at it objectively, right, going down to Liverpool, why would that be better than Celtic? Well, you've got better coaches, probably better facilities. More, you're obviously earning more money, and for a 16 year old boy, that's it. But also, like the opposition, if he's down there at Liverpool, he's going to be playing against better players week in, week out. And if you're 16 year old, how many 16 year olds like Dembele, Islam Ferros, how many of these guys were superstars at that age going to be the next big thing, but they just sort of stagnate? If you're down at Liverpool with all the best stuff, there's no excuse for you not to be a first team player. And I'm not meaning he'll play for Liverpool, but because of the way English football is, Chelsea's a good example. The amount of players that go like Liveramento and Brogia, who yeah. are currently on loan at Southampton, or oh, I think one of them signed, like they went to Chelsea, done a bit at Chelsea, got loans, and now they're getting a move to a Premier League team, mm. and they'll probably in a couple of years be in one of the top four teams. A lot of these players will probably see that as a way to get to first team football, whereas at Celtic, I, I don't I have kind of a problem with this or we don't have a pathway I can't think of any youth players at Celtic have left Celtic that didn't go to a big team that we've regretted or we yeah. didn't give a chance because they don't if players are good enough they'll play yeah, Tony Ralston's playing McGregor's playing James Forrest playing Karamoko Nibeli's playing Mikey Johnson gets minutes this year Ben Doak gets minutes this mm. year we've seen pl Stephen Welsh there's plenty of players played for Celtic we've bought players in from Scotland, give them that path. We've sold on a lot of young players as well. So I don't think the pathway hangs for Celtic because you can't say to a guy, right, at 17 you'll move up to the B team, at 18 you'll be in the first mm. team and then by 19 you'll be a first team player because that's not how football works. You need to earn that chance. And if his, looking at Ben Doak's point of view, he'll be thinking, if I go down and work with the best coaches well, at the it. best How'd facilities the... against the best players, I should become a better player. How do I become the best footballer I can be? Do I do that at Liverpool or do I do that at Celtic? Now, Celtic's not a bad option. No, no. You know, if you've got a choice, you know, Celtic are probably one of the top 10 clubs in Europe or top 10% of the clubs in Europe where you can come and become a footballer, do you know what I mean? And, you know, if, if your options are, they're certainly the best in Scotland. They're probably a better option than the majority of teams in the Championship and League One. That's why yeah. we end up with club players like Matt O'Reilly yeah. coming to us instead of staying where he's staying. But when you're up against Liverpool, there's really no much you can do. That's it. And I think we may, we might be over, you know, talking a little bit too much about a guy who's played probably a grand total of about mm. 30 minutes for Celtic and he's 16 years old. But in a, a many ways, it's not really about him. It's yeah, about exactly. the whole system and how yeah. it really works. One thing I would also add is that it, it might be quite annoying, quite you know, irritating to lose players to clubs higher up the ladder than us. And as I say, it's happened several times over the last couple of seasons. But what we need to remember is that it is a ladder and Celtic mm -hmm. make huge benefit from this as well. See, when we take a player like Boson Lowell, who's currently in the B team from Watford, there will be probably a Watford podcast sitting there yeah. going, say, oh, you should have stayed <laughs> yeah. in Watford. Yeah. You know, that you're ruining your career. Your mm. best chance was to stay here. We've got you know, this coach. Right, so it People will, at Fulham saying about Matt O'Reilly. Exactly. Oh, Matt so, Mkay Dons, rather, sorry. So Celtic are... We're not at the top of it and we're always at risk of these clubs coming in and nicking our best talent, but we're not at the bottom of it either mm. and we do it the way down. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. And again, it's not really about Ben Doak. It's about you know the, the inner workings of football here. I don't really think there's an awful lot that can be done here because I've heard that argued as well that, oh, he's getting minutes at Celtic, so he should, he should stay. But I can also remember Jack Aitchison getting minutes for Celtic and then he just rotted for about three seasons yeah. and then eventually went down several levels. I'd... To be honest, I don't know where he currently is. See, sometimes as well, like it's detrimental a player to get minutes because look at Mikey Johnson, Karamoko Dembele playing like in the last game of the season for a couple of minutes and then 
constantly after that. Where's this player? He's obviously not progressing. Yeah. Whereas, mm. well, because you come on at like 16, 17 and get a couple of minutes in a meaningless game at the end of the season, doesn't mean you're just going to be in the first team next season. Not everybody is. Aidan McGeady, where that happened to him, he was just a superstar at that age and progressed. But some players take different time. And I still think at certain points in Scotland, Scottish players and players at Celtic, Forrest, McGregor, it takes them a wee bit longer to develop because they don't become first team players till they're 22, 23, 24 mm. maybe. Mm. So Ben Doak's probably just looking at it like from his point of view and going, my best chance is going down there because we've seen players go to Bayern, Liverpool, Man City. I can't really grumble at that, no. man. It's, but Andrew was asked about him. He says, look, I've said all along, I'm only wanting to talk about and work with players that want to be here. And for ones that don't, there's a path out of the way for them, which sort of says... You know, he's on his way. But one thing that that comment did highlight to me was perhaps um, there's a future at the club for Dembele. He's been getting time. Uh, we all know his contracts up at the end. That was in limbo a wee bit. But I think by virtue of the fact that Ange is playing him, he's still playing him, he's playing him in games and he's contributing, makes me think that maybe there might be some positivity around Dembele. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one with Lee Dembele. I seen him last week in the Glasgow Cup game for the B team against Fissel. And he was outstanding in some things. And you're just like... Too good for the B team, just not quite there with the first mm. team yet. I think if he did sign a contract... Fraud, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Mikey Johnson were both brilliant uh, last week. I think if uh, he did sign a contract, I think he'd get more opportunities next season, possibly take over James Forrest. But it's a weird one for him as well. He's been sort of parachuted up with a, as a sort of superstar yet. Parachuted up. Yeah, is that what, mm. Stephen? <laughs> what is the <laughs> one defining characteristic of a parachute? <laughs> It's, it's generally used for travelling only one direction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's so good. He's defying the laws of physics mm, and travelling upwards with a parachute. Why is he so small? He's really <laughs> fly up there quicker. No having it. He's made of helium because <laughs> parachute was mentioned earlier. Let's pull it in my head. <laughs> so he's been sort of parachuted up, <laughs> parachuted up as if he's going to be this first team superstar. But nineteen now, and he's he's barely played. Well, he's not even had ten starts for the first team. I don't think they get so. pushed right off the ball and Dundee United, right? And it's no his fault. He's wee, but it was definitely a penalty. The guy just went, "Is that ball <laughs> you in the box?" I'm like, can he do that? One-handed shove Aye. straight over. I know that's what he's up against the, the physicality, but he does have the skill. He does have the technique, but just where he's going to be. I think if he stayed with Celtic, he would get a chance next year. But with him being parachuted up, <laughs> it means that. He's probably got a higher opinion of where he should be by now. But at the same time, if he leaves Celtic and a Bosman, he will get another team at the end of the season, no bother. But I don't think he's going to play first-team football there unless he goes down a level. So it's a strange one for him. But I think the best thing he could do is sign maybe a two-year deal at Celtic, take his chances next season. I think the thing about Celtic is gets your visibility, doesn't it? Especially for yeah. the national team. There's Matt O'Reilly called up to the Denmark squad. Yeah, yeah. Um, under under 21, start. man. I'm like looking at the guy going... Shit, he's under 21 when <laughs> no, you know. forget how young he is. I remember it was one of these, uh, I think it was the fan media thing that Matt O'Reilly did quite recently, available on our YouTube channel. Yeah, where you can just yeah. get if you're watching this, it's a, a few videos ago. But I think he said at the time, he was asked about his, his national allegiances and I think he's available, or he's his eligible for... Denmark, Norway and England? Yeah, he's yeah. eligible for a, a, a couple of countries through his parents. And he said basically at the time that he hadn't really decided, but... <laughs> He kind of played these. He showed these cards. He said, mm. "If Denmark asked me, I'm not exactly going to say no, am I?" So <laughs> the absolute flirt. Yeah. Yes, uh, he's, he's come, come get me eyes. He was getting <laughs> to Denmark. So yeah, I'm tough for him. He's he's been in. He's done really well for Celtic. I think he was good against Indy United mm. as well. Yeah. Another one who, get, as I say, doesn't shy away from the physical battle. So yeah, uh, delighted for him. It's very odd to have a guy like that with his accent, and we could have like a Danish international. Mm -hmm. It's quite odd like that. But yeah. Uh, uh, just a word for how he's been playing. Um, Ross County the weekend. Malky Mackay has turned around that team. They're now performing quite well. Um, it's going to be tricky. Every game's going to be tricky from now that they're running, Stephen. Yeah, yeah. It's they're all cut Wait, finals. You know what? Apart from the semi-finals, it's, pro <laughs> it's probably not going to be cut. It's probably not going to be tricky, right? But I'm just too much of a shape back to sit here on a podcast and call it a breeze. So yeah, I, I just want to. I'm just want to like keep my cards close to my chest and play well with the universe and just say, it's going to be a tricky one. But it's going to be less, aye, that's going to be really tricky. Well, for once, I actually got, <laughs> I got my prediction right uh, ahead of the game yesterday. I said 3-0. Mm. I, I kind of hummed and hawed about that. I wasn't really sure how it was going to go against the mm. United, but I said, ah, let's, do, let's get the job done 3-0. And I think it's probably the first time all season I've actually had one right there. Going into Ross County, I'm still going to... <laughs> 
right up to the game, I'm still going to be like, oh, this is going to be dead. <laughs> this is going to be Big dead. Big chance to go six points clear, but before they play on the Sunday. Exactly. And that's that's where the advantage comes in, isn't it? The, the advantage comes in being able to put the pressure on. And that's basically all we can do at this moment in time. We can just keep keep winning games, keep extending, hopefully, the lead, racking up a few goals, maybe, put in a, a little extra on that goal difference tally. So, yeah, it's a good opportunity. Can't take it for granted. Simply can't no. at this. So, um, treating it as a tricky game, because quite frankly, Ross County deserve to be treated with a bit of respect. Not so much personally, but professionally, at least I think I think they deserve to be taken seriously. And yeah, I'm quite looking forward to it, I have to say. Put the pressure on, go six points clear. And Who they, are they playing? Dundee know. again? Away to Dundee. Yeah. The always so. always oh, Dundee, innit? <laughs> so well, they've got Dundee and Red Star, Dundee and Red Star. I think <sighs> that's the next four ties. So if we go six points clear after a European game where they've got a trip, who knows what will happen? Mm. They'll probably I mean, Dundee. Uh, absolutely, win. I don't think Mark McGee's won a game up there yet. Absolutely but crap. The thing is, we just need to keep try and get this this gap the same before because going into the international break after that it's the big one at Ibrox as well isn't it? Mm, so. hopefully Kyo will go back for that and you did say after the international break mm. we can expect Kyo go and Dave Turner's uh, eye yeah big as well and on that we shall wrap up this flagship episode of 20 Minute Tims hey, as usual if you'd like to support this podcast patreon.com slash 20 Minute Tims there are links on the podcast apps and on YouTube and if you're watching YouTube feel free to subscribe so you get the video as soon as it comes out but most of all thanks for watching and listening 